It is certainly a privilege to have you with us today. We've been looking forward to it. JJ is an author. He's a speaker. He's a radio host. He is. Um, he speaks at. Uh, uh, is it? Crisis pregnancy centers. That's but right. The, the, Crisis the, the, pregnancy banquets. Banquets. Yes. I didn't know if that was the right terminology. Um, and uh, he's a comedian. Uh, wow. Father of seven children. Um, Husband of one, I mean, you know, one, one wife thing kind of thing, which is not a big deal. I'm just saying, you know, he, he don't have like seven kids by seven mamas. And that's a big deal nowadays. <laughs> he got one, one baby mama. And <laughs> we like to have fun in this house too, you know. I told you that's kind of a cut up. You'd fit in. And so uh, we are so excited to be here when, when he... Um, uh, when I when I sent in a re request for you to possibly come and be with us, and, and you called me, and I told my wife because uh, I don't get too tied up with people in their position or their spot in life, but I told my wife I went I said man there's something about this guy we connected in our spirit something we didn't talk long, but I thought man there's something there, and uh, I don't know if you got to visit with him you know he's one of those just right down here kind of guys. And uh, I'm excited for you to be here. Are you excited for him? If you are, will you give J.J. Jasper a big Lake Village Assembly of God welcome? Thank you, Brother Marty. I feel the same way. I'm so impressed with Marty and Sister Tina. And we laughed and had so much fun last night. And then we went to the Mexican restaurant, just continued to laugh and get to know each other and talk about godly men who are raising their kids in the fear and admonition of the Lord. As a daddy, it did my heart good to hear um, Sam singing and Ethan. Is it Ethan on the drums? And uh, boy, I tell you what, that does a, a daddy's heart good. I said last night, I've got five daughters and Thankfully, there's never any drama in our home. <laughs> that is funny. Wow, what wonderful worship. What a great area. I've actually driven through Lake Village on my way to cross it several times. And uh, let's see, McGee. And I remember driving and looking at the lake and thinking, I'd love to stop there sometime. Now, in full disclosure, I was thinking about it with my fishing rod. But... <laughs> What a wonderful area, and it is, it is great to be at Lake Village Assembly of God, and thank you for listening to American Family Radio. How many listen to AFR? Wonderful. Thank you for your love and your prayers and your support of American Family Association, American Family Radio, Don Wildman, the founder, Tim Wildman, uh, now the children and grandchildren, and uh, they really do have a heart for faith, family, and freedom, and boy, now more than ever... Do we need ministries like AFA and AFR? So much going on on the world stage. I saw a post this week. It said, while earth is preparing for war, heaven is preparing for a wedding. And so what a blessing to, uh, to lift up Jesus and to already worship him with that, with that sweet aroma, with that sweet incense, just knowing that Jesus Christ is King of kings and Lord of lords. Jesus doesn't just know the way. He said, I am the way. 
I am the way, the truth, and the life, and he's the lily of the valley, the bright morning star. He's the Alpha and the, Alpha and the Omega, our soon-coming king, and that's where our help and, and hope is. It's in the life and the death and the burial and the resurrection of our Savior and Lord Jesus. If you'll turn to Matthew 7, verse 24 through 27, we're going to be talking about the storms of life this morning. And pastor didn't even know what the topic was going to be, and he talked about if maybe you've had a tough week or maybe you're going through some difficulty, and that's what our message is going to be this morning, the storms of life. And you know there's victory in the valley, and, and you don't have to be, uh, death doesn't have to defeat you, divorce doesn't have to define you, and we can triumph over our troubles, but you can't go from the cradle to the grave without some trials and temptations, some difficulty and disappointment, and that's what we're going to be talking about. You know this story from Matthew 7, verse 24 through 27. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, Yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. We sang that song when we were little. You have two men, one who heard the word of the Lord and obeyed it, his, his house, his life was built on that solid rock of obedience to the Word of God. The other heard the Word of the Lord and ignored it or procrastinated and kicked the can down the road, but he, he didn't obey, and he built his house, he built his life on sand. But if you'll notice in the story with these two men, the storm came to both of them. It, it rains on the just and the unjust alike. And the storms of life are inevitable. It's not a matter of when difficulty or discouragement will come. It's, it's not a matter of if, it's when. And you just think about in Ecclesiastes, it talks about how there are all these different seasons. And there's a, a time to laugh and a time to cry, a time to, to build, a time to tear down. And, and the Apostle Paul, who at one point, he talked about how many times he was shipwrecked and stoned and left for dead and all of these kinds of things. A person who the Holy Spirit spoke through him to write much of the New Testament. And here the Apostle Paul was having difficulty. And we can't say he didn't have faith. At one, at one point, his shadow crossed people and they got healed. And so God used the Apostle Paul to write much of the New Testament and still... He was beaten, and he lists all these times that he was beaten. And you've got, you've got words like this from Hebrews 11, verse 36 through 39. Some faced jeers and floggings, while others were chained and put in prison. They were stoned. They were sawed in two. They were put to death by the sword. They, were, they went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted, and mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and mountains and lived in caves and holes in the ground. These were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised. That from Hebrews 11, verse 36 through 39. 
Years ago, I was, uh, as a new Christian, I was 19 years old, and I was traveling, and I was in Colorado Springs, and I was traveling alone. I was going through a crossroads, and I was kind of in a, in a valley and had a lot of decisions to make, and I was in a little cafe, and I, I said the blessing over my breakfast, and when I did, I looked up, and a military man, a fellow in the Air Force, highly decorated, he motioned for me to come over, and he said, I saw you say the prayer, and that, that's, that impressed me. I'm a Christian man. Here, sit with me, and let's have breakfast. And he asked how I was doing, I told him I was at a crossroads, and and he pointed out the window in Colorado Springs to Pikes Peak. And he said, I want you to look out the window. He said, you see how everything is growing? And then there at the top, there's a, almost like you would take a ruler and make a straight line. He said, that is called the, uh, it's the timber line. And he said, above that, it was just rocky and snow-capped. And he said, everything grows up to the timber line and then there's not enough oxygen and other reasons there's no growth. And he said, everybody wants to be on the mountaintop. It's a great view. It's heady. It's exhilarating. But there's no growth. And he said, down in the valley, it's lush and green. Nobody wants to be in the valley. But that's where most of the growth is. And I looked out the window there at Pikes Peak. And I remembered that man sharing that with me because we all want to be on the mountaintop. But if you think about the times when you've grown the most, do you remember some of you when you were newly married and you were broke and you had to dig through the cushions to find some change just to go get a two liter and maybe have some ramen noodles and have a date night? That was some of the toughest times, but you grew so close together. You're close to, close to the Lord and close to each other. And the same with any kind of trial or trouble that you've gone through. It drove you to the feet of Jesus. You don't want to be there, but God uses that. And Romans 8.28 is true, just like all these other passages. I want to share this morning, a lot of uh, the message this morning is going to be testimony, if you'll allow me. My wife, Melanie, and I, we shared a little bit of this last night, but our, our life has been marked by ministry and travel and adventure and fun. And we've been on the radio, lived our life out loud on the radio. We've met most of the Christian artists, and we're just a close-knit family, and we're, we're crazy and, and goofy, and we're an outdoors family, and we just, we just love to, to live large and have fun. And for the most part, our entire married life, we didn't hardly have a hiccup. I mean, not even hardly a bump in the road. And my friends would say, man, you really have lived a charmed life. Water ski, snow ski, having fun with all those kids, travel and all the adventures. And we almost didn't have a, a ripple until 2008. 2008, my wife's dad, he's a, he was a man's man. He was a pastor. And he got a diagnosis of cancer, and in just a few weeks, we buried her daddy. She was a daddy's girl. And on March the 14th, 2008, my father-in-law died, larger than life, big personality, head over heels in love with Jesus, and just a, it just left a real void in our family, especially in my wife's life. Well, that was March the 14th. One week later, Melanie had a miscarriage on Easter Sunday morning. I've heard that somebody wrote a bit, book about why bad things happen to good people. You have a whole lot of questions when things like that happen. You're a Christian family. You're trying to be, be in the center of God's will. But like we talked about, you can't say 
the Apostle Paul was not in the center of God's will, and he had temptations and trials and troubles. And there's missionaries right now on the other side of the world that are smack dab in the will of God, and, and they're losing their life for the sake of the gospel. But God's grace is sufficient. So Melanie's daddy died. One week later, she had a miscarriage. And those of you that have had that, that's just such, such trauma and, and, and so difficult, for, especially for a, a mama, but for the entire family. Fast forward the same year on Labor Day, we had bought a farm and we had horses and cattle. I was going to saddle up one of our quarter horses, went for a ride. The horse went crazy, and it had never done this, but it started to buck so high, it was off, all four hooves were off the ground. And I'd ridden horses my whole life, so I was okay with that until it went over this little bluff. When it went over this little bluff, something happened. I wasn't quite sure, but it felt like I just got snapped in two. The pain was so excruciating, I said, I got to get off this horse, so I just dove off like Superman. When it hit the ground, I broke my shoulder blade in two places. I broke five ribs. I damaged my bladder. I broke my pelvis, uh, broke my tailbone, and had massive internal bleeding. Other than that, I was okay. <laughs> and, uh, oh, and let me take a little detour here. The, uh, I get to travel a lot, and after I got back on my feet and I would travel, the number one question people would ask, they'd say, Hey, what'd you do with that horse? Which I thought, you're not even going to ask me, you know, do I walk with a limp? You know, or you're asking about the horse. And honestly, the number one question people said, I just, I want to ask you what happened to that horse. I guess they thought all that damage, there's no way I could sell it, much less give it away. Would you believe two men were bidding against each other to buy that horse? They wanted to give it to their mother-in-law. <laughs> Yes, I'm kidding about the bidding war, but I was in the hospital for 49 days and seven days in intensive care, and the doctor came to Melanie and said, if your husband survives the next 24 or 48 hours, she said, wait, if he survives, it was a horse wreck. It was a horseback riding accident. So people talk about Job. My wife is the Job in our family because in 2008, her daddy died, she had a miscarriage, and her husband almost died in the same year. And she had to deal with doctors and schedules and do, do everything, bills piling up, 49 days in the hospital. So 2008 was a, was a rough year for us. And at the end of the year, we hunkered down and we huddled up as a family. We said, this has been the roughest year of our life, but the worst is behind us. That was our consolation. We said, there is nothing that could ever happen in our life to compare with 2008. Little did we know in 2009, I'd been to Colorado. I'd been gone four or five days. I was missing my wife and kids so much. I mentioned what a close-knit family we are. I came home, and sent Melanie to town. She went reluctantly. And I played with our girls, and at the time we had four kids, three little girls and a little boy named Cooper, blonde hair, blue eyes, smart, funny, athletic. And we had bought a dune buggy, and we bought it for its safety. It was really low to the ground, had a full roll cage, padded roll bars. He was buckled in. We were riding up and down the lane. It was a Friday. The sky was blue. The weekend was here, and all was well in our world. And Coop and I were riding up and down the lane, and the 
and with just a father and a son making memories, a daddy and his boy having fun. And after we rode for a while, we were going to head back to the house, and I was just going to do what we always call it a donut. I was just going to floor it, spin around, head back to the house. So I floored it, and I spun the dune buggy around, and then something went terribly wrong, and the dune buggy flipped over. Coop was buckled in. I wasn't, and I hit the ground. And my very first thought, it's funny, the details you can remember from years ago, but my very first thought was, oh, man, I hope I didn't put a scratch on him or if he broke his little arm, I'd never be able to forgive myself because that was my best friend. Something about a, if, you, if you have your only daughter or your only son, there's that extra connection. And I could never go out the door that he didn't put his little red boots on and say, I'm coming with you. You never saw one without the other. Putting out hay for the horses, fishing, anything we did, you always saw us both. He was my best friend. I thought, if I broke his little arm, I'd just, I'd just never be able to get over it. And I went to the dune buggy, and it was still laying on its side. He was still buckled in. And in that rollover, just a freak accident had broken his little neck. And on July the 17th, 2009, my only son died in my arms. Now, this morning, I don't have the words to say the shock and the horror and the, the unbelief. Those things happen to other people. They don't happen to you. And it's every parent's worst nightmare. But God is faithful, and his word is true. His promises are yes and amen, and his grace is sufficient. Those aren't just words on a page. It's, it's real. And I didn't come this morning to share our story to make you feel sorry for us because I know there are people that have gone through a lot of tragedy, people that have gone through way worse than us, but God is faithful. And I'm so thankful for the blood of Jesus, and I'm so thankful that Jesus lived a sinless life, that he, that he paid our penalty on the cross, and he exploded out of that tomb after three days. And resurrection power is available to you no matter what you're facing, no matter what you're going through. To put this in perspective, Friday afternoon, I was riding in a dune buggy, making memories with my only son. That was Friday afternoon. Saturday mid-morning, we were at the funeral home, and the funeral director was saying, which one of these caskets do you want to pick out for your little, for your little boy? All those words like surreal and horrific, and you just, you just knew it was a, a, a terrible nightmare. Nothing this permanent, nothing this cataclysmic can happen in the blink of an eye, but it did, and our whole world turned upside down. I'm thankful for where I work, AFA, the leadership. They came to Melanie and I, and they tried to find us resources, and they said there's not a lot out there for people who have lost children. In fact, I don't know if you've thought about this, but when a woman's husband dies, she's called a widow. When a child loses their parents, they're called an orphan. Have you thought of this? There's not even a word for parents who've lost a child. It's just so unnatural, and it's just so out of order. You're not supposed to outlive your children. And so they, they said, we've tried to find resources. There's not a lot out there. But they said, this, is, this was a few months later. They said, we noticed that you haven't turned to drugs or alcohol. Your marriage is still strong. I did not know that 89% of marriages fail when there's the death of a small child. If you hear of a little child that drowns or gets out in the road and, and is involved in a fatal accident, rally around that family because 89%, let's round it up, 90% of marriages fail when there's the death of a small child. And they said, 
you're not bitter or angry at God. You're still going to church. We want to tell your story. We want to make a movie if and when you're able to do this. And A, we want to give it away and not sell it. And B, we just want to let people know there's hope on the other side of, tr of tragedy. So they made the movie Flame On. We brought some DVDs to give to you. If someone's here that lost their grandparent or lost a spouse during COVID, I know there's been a lot of tragedy the last couple of years. If they're not here this morning, grab one for them. We've given away almost 400,000 of those. Dr. Dobson helped with that. He's in the bonus tracks. The Kendrick Brothers, Dr. David Jeremiah. So we're thankful for that resource. But I said all that to, to say, I don't know what you're going through or what you're facing, what your situation or circumstance, but God is faithful. Those songs that we were singing about who he is and what he's able to do, you remember in the fourth chapter of Mark when the disciples were in the boat and Jesus was asleep in the bottom of the boat on a pillow, and I guess because he had his eyes closed or he was asleep, they must have thought the switch was turned off and he had no power, and they freaked out like we often do with the waves coming over, and they woke him up and said, don't you even care? Don't you even see what we're going through? That's why we get sometimes. We have more questions than we have answers when we have trials and trouble and difficulties. And God, don't you see this? Don't you even care? Is, has this fallen through the cracks? Nothing. God will never, ever have to say oops. He's sovereign. He's completely in charge. He's 100% in control. And Jesus stood up and gently rebuked them and said, Why, you know, oh, you have little faith. You know, did you think Jesus is on board, the one who made the wind, the, made, the one who made the waves and knows the fish by name? Jesus was on that little boat. There's no way it could sink with Jesus on board. And Christ in you, the hope of glory, there's no way you can completely fail. Not with Jesus on board, not with Jesus in your life. Now, we may lose a few innings, but we're not going to lose the game. You read the back of the book and you see we win. So maybe this morning, whatever's happening in your life, we need Jesus to stand up in the boat again and say, peace, be still, because immediately the wind stopped and the storm stopped and there was great calm. But we learned a lot from what happened with us, and I want to move through these quickly. I actually have this in the chapter of Losing Cooper, Finding Hope to Grieve Well, a chapter titled The Storm the storms of life, and that's where a lot of the text is coming from. But we learned 10 things, and I want to move through these quickly. Number one, life is precious, but it's also fragile. We learned how quickly life can change. We need not live in fear, but make every moment count because it's true. You never know when's going to be your last opportunity to say, I love you to somebody you care about. And so we've told our friends in lieu of what happened to us, turn off the TV, get down on the floor and play with those children and play with those grandbabies because life is precious, but it's also fragile. Number two, we learned humility. When something catastrophic happens, we realized when something catastrophic happened, we realized how little we are in control of. God is big and we are small. And we, uh, we were completely humbled and overwhelmed by the death of our young son. And sometimes it takes something drastic to stop us in our tra tracks, help us to prioritize and make a course correction. We were also genuinely humbled by the love and outpouring of support. 
of others in our time of need. Number three, we learned the power of prayer. Now, when I say learned, a lot of these we were reminded or we relearned. C.S. Lewis said we need to be reminded more often than we need to be taught. But we learned about the power of prayer. God hears and answers prayers. When we were too weak or depressed to pray for ourselves, we knew that others were praying for us. And it was as if we could literally feel the prayers being lifted up for us. Prayer is the difference maker. And I've heard someone say, anything you're not praying about, anything you're not praying about, you're trying to do on your own. We also learned, number four, the power of God's Word. The Bible is the greatest book ever written. It's the inerrant, infallible Word of God. It's God-breathed. We talk to God through prayer. He speaks to us through this Word. Matthew 4.4, as well as Luke 4.4, says that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth from the mouth of God. This is where we get strength. This is where we get hope. This is where we get direction. God will lead, guide, and direct you as you spend time in his word. There's no book like this. And I want to encourage you, if you're not doing this, please read the Bible every day. We all would like to have more faith. In Romans 10, it says, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word. Strength, faith, hope, direction, comfort, everything you need is in this, in this Bible. And what we would do, night after night, we'd sit at the table and we'd open cards and then we'd open up the Word, mostly in the Psalms. And I heard Dr. David Jeremiah say that Psalm 23 is the most tear-stained page in the Bible. And I, and I agree. We got great comfort from the Word of God during our tragedy. We also learned in, in number five the importance of the body of Christ. We saw the church in action from small gestures of kindness to larger ones. Every card, every meal, every thoughtful act made a difference and had an impact in our time of suffering. What a wonderful body here at, uh, at, 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 here at, at where you are. What a blessing. I wanted to say Lakeview. I said, well, that doesn't sound right. Uh, we've got a, pa- a pastor friend at Lakeview, Lake Village, here at Lake Village Assembly of God. Uh, two days ago, I was in Kansas, and a few days before that, I was in Illinois. So I feel like I've been on tour. And uh, so uh, I guess I was on tour. The, uh, the body of Christ, what a wonderful fellowship. And I'm very impressed with Brother Marty and Sister Tina, as I've mentioned. What, what a great pastor and worship team. Wow, that was outstanding. That was, that was, and music is what I do. And so that was a really, really uh, anointed. We also, number six, learned about the sovereignty of God. He is the potter. We are the clay. He is the shepherd. We are the sheep. God has a purpose and a plan from our, even our darkest day to not catch him by surprise. Lord, help us come to the place where we can pray, not my will, but thy will be done. God is sovereign. Nothing catches him by surprise, even your darkest day. And and yes, you have questions. I I still have questions. Was that was that God allowing that to happen? Was that the devil? Because Jesus said, the thief cometh but to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus said, I've come to give you life and life more abundant in John 10, 10. And I, I still have questions. But then when I don't know where else to go, I go to the fact that God is sovereign. 
and he, and he knows. And, and, you know, when you're hurting, the last thing you want to hear is a cliche, but it's true. I don't know what the future holds, but I know who holds the future. Just like the fear that people are experiencing right now with Russia invading Ukraine and Russia and China teaming up. And it's almost like you just open up the book of Revelation and you're watching Gog and Magog and all these prophecies and everything coming, coming together. And you say, well, is this, the, is this the end or the beginning of the end? I'm not sure. But I know God is sovereign. And I know that we, uh, we don't have to fear because fear is a spirit. And we know that God's not given us the spirit of fear but of power and of love and a sound mind. So God is, is sovereign. We learned, number seven, about God's provision. God provided a sacrifice for Abraham on Mount Moriah and ravens to feed Elijah by the brook. He provided a cruise of oil for the widow and an ark for Noah and his family. He promises to supply all your needs. But my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus, Philippians 4.19. His grace is sufficient. And we discovered that even during a storm, God is faithful. And he will give you exactly what you need precisely when you need it. And at just the right time, we would get a text or we would get a, a card or we get a phone call. And it would be at a point where we felt like, if one more feather of grief falls on us, we're not sure that we're not going to go over the edge. Every single morning, Melly and I would start our day by holding each other and having shoulder-shaking sobs. And this went on for weeks and weeks and weeks. And we would pray, Lord, help us grieve well. Lord, help us grieve well. We just prayed that over and over and over. And then we would just say the name of Jesus, 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 Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. That's the sweetest name I know. And there's, there's power in Jesus. There's salvation in Jesus. There's deliverance in Jesus. There's comfort. There's no other name uh, in heaven and earth whereby a man may be saved except the name of Jesus. And I just feel like I'm supposed to stop and take a little detour and share something I don't normally share. When I said that we felt like if one more feather grief dropped on us. We didn't know if we were going to make it. It felt like we were just hanging on by a thread. My grandfather was an alcoholic and a womanizer and a gambler and a barroom brawler. That was my grandfather. His son, my dad, same story. Alcoholic, gambler, barroom brawler. My brother and I were on that same path and when I was 19 years old, I said yes to Jesus. And I went to the Lord, and my brother said, not today. I want to sow my wild oats, but one day I will, but not today. My brother wound up um, getting shot in a barroom altercation. And they lost him twice on the operating table, but then he survived, and they called my parents in. And they said, him getting shot's not the worst of his trouble. He's got late-stage cirrhosis of the liver, and if he does not stop drinking, he, he won't live six months to a year. And my brother continued to drink and died shortly after that. And so I don't know if you're connecting the dots, but my granddad was an alcoholic. My father was an alcoholic. My only brother was an alcoholic, drug and alcohol addiction, and actually died from cirrhosis of the liver. 
And that's the path I was on before I was rescued, before the Lord found me at rock bottom and, and rescued me. And I'm so thankful for the blood of Jesus. But what do you think about, do I have any guilt or regret? If you were the one doing the driving, it was my idea to buy the farm. It was my idea to, to buy the dune buggy. I was doing the driving. It was on my watch. And so how many times do you think the devil has perched himself on my shoulder? The Bible says he's the accuser of the brethren. And so there's many times I'm, I'm embarrassed to say that I thought, I just can't, I just can't do this. Even as a born-again, spirit-filled Christian, I don't think I'm going to, grief's hard work. I just don't think I'm going to be strong enough. And if one more feather had dropped on me, I thought of other ways to be able to grieve. You understand what I'm saying? And we didn't have anything stronger than Advil. And it was because of the body of Christ and the power of the prayer and the power of his word and, and his timing just, just at the right time when I just thought, I'm, I just can't do this. And, and look at the history and look at the, the bad DNA or whatever. But, boy, God's faithful and his, and his grace is sufficient. I know I've said that several times this morning, but it's true. And we just feel like we're standing and we're just miracles of, of God's grace. So I don't want to keep you too long. We also learned about the peace of the Lord. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Thou will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusteth in thee. Even in the middle of a storm, you can have a perfect peace like the eye of the storm. Number nine, we learned about his presence. We experienced the faithful, pres faithful presence of God during our difficult journey. God led the Israelites with fire by night and a pillar of cloud by day. He's promised to never leave us or forsake us. He was with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He was with Daniel in the lion's den. He was with Joseph in the pit. And he'll be with you if you're having a struggle with your finances or your health or a relationship, your marriage, a, a wayward teen, whatever's going on in your life. Somebody at work that's just giving you a lot of grief. God will be there for you just like he was with all these others and just like he was in our family. And lastly, we learned that this world is not our home. Trials, troubles, and tragedy have a way of reminding us that we're sojourners. We're just pilgrims passing through. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed to us. Romans 8, 18. Therefore, we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day for our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen for what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Second Corinthians four verses 16 through 18. If we place our trust in Christ, we have assurance from the Bible that heaven will be our home one day we'll be safely home rejoicing in the promises we have in Revelation 21.4. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow, 
nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. And those of you that have lost a loved one, I'm so very sorry for your loss. But what a glad reunion day that's going to be when we're reunited with our loved ones. Because I'm on the radio and love music, I want to share in closing the lyrics from a song from Laura's story. You may remember this from several years ago, Blessings. We pray for blessings. We pray for peace, comfort for family, protection while we sleep. We pray for healing, for prosperity. We pray for your mighty hand to ease our suffering. And all the while, you hear each spoken need, yet love us way too much to give us lesser things. Because what if your blessings come through raindrops? What if your healing comes through tears? What if a thousand sleepless nights are what it takes to know you're near? What if the trials of this life are your mercies in disguise? We pray for wisdom, your voice to hear. We cry in anger when we cannot feel you near. We doubt your goodness. We doubt your love as if the promises from your word are not enough. And all the while, you hear each desperate plea and long that we would have the faith to believe. Because what if your blessings come through raindrops? What if your healing comes through tears? What if a thousand sleepless nights are what it takes to know you're near? What if the trials of this life are your mercies in disguise? When friends betray us, when darkness seems to win, we know that pain reminds this heart that this is not, this is not our home. Because what if your blessings come through raindrops? What if your healing comes through tears? What if a thousand sleepless nights are what it takes to know you're near? What if my greatest disappointments or the aching of this life is the revealing of a greater thirst this world cannot satisfy? What if the trials of this life, the rain, the storms, the darkest nights are your blessings in disguise. The older I get, the more I realize that you cannot go from cradle to grave without some storms of life, without some disappointment and discouragement. Now, I believe in favor of God and the anointing and healing and deliverance and victory. We've just seen it so many times, but I see people that have a setback and they shake their fist at God, and they, they quit going to church. They prayed for their grandmother, and their grandmother passed, and they just got so mad at God, and they said, I'm done. But we need to know that it's not a matter of, of if there's going to be a storm in our life. It's when. It's, that's biblical. And so as you have that foundation, we'll finish where we started. Jesus said the wise man built his house on the rock, the solid rock of, of knowing God, obeying God, believing Jesus. And the foolish man built his house on the sand. He heard the word. Both men heard the word. And one was obedient. And one either procrastinated like my brother did or just didn't believe or ignored the word of God or whatever the case was. And so let's end where we started the most important thing is to surrender to the Lord, to be, live a life pleasing to God. So when the storms of life come, we'll be ready. We'll have that solid foundation. And after the storm passes, we'll still be standing. And then we'll be able to offer hope 
to those with a hope that we ourselves have received from God. And you can have not just sympathy, but you'll have empathy. You say, I don't know exactly how you're feeling or what you're going through, but I know how God was faithful when we went through this. So this has been a real privilege to be here this morning. Thank you so much for allowing me to be here again. What a treat to be uh, to worship with you, to laugh together last night, and then the, to, to share the Word of God. And I hope that, that this spoke a word to somebody that just needed a, to just be reminded of the faithfulness of God. We've got those DVDs out there, Flame On, that tell a little bit more about our story. Grab one for you, and please give one to someone, as I mentioned, that maybe lost a loved one during COVID or in a car wreck. A lot of people are hurting, and they're not just in need of hope, they're desperate for hope. And so I'm thankful for a church like this to be a lighthouse in this uh, entire region to point people to Jesus, the life changer. God bless you. Thank you. Stop by in, in, when you leave in the, his booth out there and pick up one of the books called Losing Cooper and read it yourself. I've given it mine away. I read it. It'll minister to you. And it'll minister to someone else. There's a lot of good stuff in there. And I want you to stop by. And those are $10 here, so I want you to get those. But as he was uh, talking about some things, I, I, oh, the word brokenhearted came to my mind. And I, I looked up some words on brokenhearted in the Bible. And Psalms 34, 18 says this, The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed spirit. Wow. I don't know about you, but I've had my spirit crushed before. But it says, his word says that he's near. When, when you're going through that, he is near you. That is comfort to know what God's word says about your situation. And another one in Psalms 147.3 says, And he heals the brokenhearted and he binds up their wounds. Man, to know that you today serve a God or in, are in... Uh, the, um, a room where you're hearing there's, there's help for you in your situation so if you will stand with me all across this room